All right, guys, we are continuing with our teaching in the book of Genesis for a quick review. Last time we were here, we were in chapter 12 and we talked about the call of Abraham or as we say of Abram, because we know his name has not been changed as of yet. But anyway, so God called Abram and he gave him a promise. And this is what we uh, normally call the Abrahamic covenant. And in that, pro in that promise that God made to Abram, he promised to make Abram a name, give him many descendants, and also continued the promised seed through him. In your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And he promised and even commanded that Abraham himself should be a blessing to the Gentiles. And we know that Abram obeyed the voice of the Lord and he went to the land of promise, which is the land of Canaan, which was there. He saw the Canaanites there and Abraham began in his public worship of the Lord amongst the Canaanites. But now the point that we made concerning Abram in the last lesson was basically the success of Abram. And we see the Genesis or the beginnings of his faith. And the last time we talked about this particular issue, it was that it was much to be celebrated. And indeed, indeed, it is much to be celebrated when we look at Abram, that Abraham should obey the voice of God by faith. That's why the Bible talks about Abraham as the father of faith or even as the friend of God. So we do celebrate rightfully so when we look at the faith of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, as he did depart from his father's house unknowingly to a land that God had showed him. And we see the great success in Genesis chapter 12 in the very beginning, verses one through nine. However, but as is so commonly the case, whenever we see great success, it is oftentimes followed by great failure. But also too, guys, let, let me help you out in the beginning of this. As we see the faith of Abraham being established in the very first part, that is leaving his father's house and going to this unknown place, the land of Canaan, it kind of in a sense following blindly, that is by faith. We see that that's a wonderful thing. But at the same time, there is a progression for the development of faith. Although Abraham initially has faith to leave his father's house, to obey the voice of God, that faith still has to be further developed and in a practical sense. So allow me to even guys to deviate early before we even get into the exegesis of the text. Even though we may have faith initially, or I sometimes call it the seminal or the, the seed of faith itself. Faith is planted, but faith has to grow. And the only time that God can cause and make our faith to grow, even to the point that God desires for it to be, it comes with great difficulty. Comes with great. So our faith is not, and, 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 and in order for faith to grow, 
it has to be tested. But when our faith is tested, it is used, it is tested by God. Always remember, because nothing can happen to us that is God's people outside of the will of God. But when our faith is tested, it's not tested for some perverse sense of God. That is so that God could see what we will do. Always remember, God knows everything that we are going to do before we do it. So God knows how we will respond to the test even before we actually respond. So God doesn't do these things so that he will know. He does these things so that we will know. And when we know these things, he also does it, point number two, so that our faith will be increased. Or in other words, God uses these things in order to increase our faith, to help our faith to grow in what God wants it to be, in what it should be. And usually these things happen almost 99% of the time, not because of our successes, but through our failures. Okay. And with that, and in a nutshell, guys, you know what I just did? I basically summed up what's going to happen. But anyway, let's just go on into the teaching and let's move forward as we look at what happens in the life of Abram. All right. So now we're at Genesis 12, continuing verse number 10. Remember, Abraham has now come into the land of promise that God has led him. God has made a personal appearance to Abram. And see, guys, when I say things like that, I want you to really think and try to absorb what I'm trying to say. Can you imagine what it must be like for God to make a physical appearance to you? Now, I don't know about you. I have never seen God in a physical appearance. So the point is, in this epiphany of God, that simply means a physical manifestation. It's a great honor. And God is really strengthening Abram by appearing to him and saying, this is the land. So remember, okay, again, again, let's get to that point again. God brought him to the land of Canaan in order that he should remain in the land of Canaan. Remember, he told him, leave your father's house, come to this land that I will show you. Now, God did not bring him into the land in order for him to leave it. All right. Now, the reason why I said all of that is to get you to thinking, because as we enter into these next few verses, watch what Abraham does and think about the situation that is occurring. OK, and we'll talk about that along the way. We'll we'll envelop some of the issues that need to be investigated. But now let's go on. We're in verse number 10. Abraham has been placed into the land by God. He's brought him there. Now there is a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was severe in the land. Now that seems to be such a simple statement, but it demands further investigation. Okay. Notice what it says. He gets to the land of promise. All right. As soon as he's there, 
Notice there is a famine in the land. Now, here is the question. We know a famine simply comes because of a drought. A drought simply comes because a lack of rain. Here is the question. Who controls the rain? <laughs> Who controls the famine? If there is a famine, isn't it God who allowed the famine? Now, here is the question. If God has commanded him to go into the promised land, why is God allowing a famine to hit the promised land? Because the famine is going to adversely affect Abram. If there's no famine, there, I, mean, I mean, if there's no rain, that means that, remember, Abraham, it basically subsists. They live from the land with the cattle and things of that nature. The cattle are going to die. The cattle can't produce. The people are going to die. And what happens? All of a sudden, God has led Abram into a land that God himself has allowed a famine to hit. Here is the question. Why is God letting the famine hit the land? That goes to everything that I've been trying to tell you. This is the testing of his faith. God wants him to stay there in the land. So he allows the famine to hit to test his faith. Will Abram stay there even though God and to eat what the scripture is not saying overtly is not saying notice when we get to chapter 22 it's going to overtly say it overtly meaning directly and God tested Abram here is not saying that but that's exactly what's taking place. If God wants to keep the rain falling, can he not? Is he not the God who controls the rain, sends rain in his season and everything else? Answer is, we all know, yes. If God wants to make the land grow productively and it's just wonderful and bountiful, and remember they used to call the, uh, 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 the promised land a land of fatness, a land that flows with milk. And can he not? The answer is yes. He could have continued to do that with Abram, but he is not for a reason. And even though, and that, and that's to keep us from beginning to celebrate prematurely because sometimes we think that we're already there. Sometimes we think just because we've had one success in our life or in, even in that success, always remember whatever success that is act of faith, whatever success that we do or have had is because God has blessed us to be successful. Is his thing. He has to get the credit in all of that. And even still, we ain't made it yet. We are not. And what am I trying to say? We are not who we are supposed to be simply because we've had a success. There is still much to do. We have still much to grow. And the only way God gets us to see that is when we fail. And it's when we fail with a tear-stained face, we look to heaven and we say, help me. I see I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I'm still not there yet. And notice what we see. Notice as soon as God has brought Abram into the land of promise, he tries him with a famine. Will you stay? 
Will you obey? Remember, I made a promise to you. And here's what you got to keep in mind, guys, as we work through the text, all the promises that God made Abram. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. I'll make many nations from you. Right. That mean, and remember, even at this point, he hadn't had a single child yet. So God has made promises. So now Abram believed these promises enough to get him to leave his father's house. But is he what God wants him to be? Let's find out. Let's continue the story. Anyway, so what happens? He left. No sooner as the famine hit, back to verse number 10, and I'm sorry for that long digression, but notice, no sooner as the famine hit, he already left and went down into Egypt. And they said, notice, because the famine was severe. And you'll see that oftentimes at our greatest spiritual successes, God, and I don't want to kind of say it this way, but sometimes God lowers the boom on us to let us see you're not there yet. You know, and, and I think sometimes it may even have to do guys with humility of heart, less than any time we begin to lift ourselves in spiritual pride and thinking I'm in good shape before God. And sometimes God is saying, no, 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 no. You're not in the shape that you think you're in. But anyway, let's just go on back to the lesson. Let's go back. Let's go back. So he's gone to Egypt. So already notice he has already failed his first test. No sooner as he gets into the land, what does he do? He leaves the land of promise and goes down to Egypt. That is not where God wants him to be. All right. And so what's going to end up happening? We all know that God is going to have to get involved in a rescue effort. But let's keep going. Watch it. Now watch it. So what happens? So he goes down to Egypt. Verse number 11. And it came about when he came near Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, what? See now, look. I know that you are a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will also let you live. So please say that you are my sister so that it may go well with you, with me because of you and that I may live on account of you. So now as he's getting ready to go into Egypt, now watch now. He concocts a plan. The first thing that he says is this. He says to his wife, Sarah, who's about 65 years old at this time, you are a beautiful woman. That says something, doesn't it, ladies? <laughs> to be so strikingly beautiful at the age of 65, she must have been something to look at to be old. But nevertheless, he says, you're a beautiful woman. And it had to be known to Abram about how Egyptians, this had to be a way that the Egyptians did that when at the borders, at the uh, borders of the cities, when you come into the borders of the city, you would always have the officers of the Pharaoh who would be at the borders and they would check people that this is allowing people to come in and out of the borders of Egypt. So the borders were regulated Isn't that interesting. And we don't seem to think we can regulate borders now, but anyway, so they would regulate the borders. And of course they would look at the people he knew. So there was a reputation among the soldiers that if they saw a beautiful woman inform Pharaoh, the, the soldiers would be rewarded and the woman 
If the woman was unmarried, she'll end up being a part of Pharaoh's harem. If the woman was married, then the soldiers would secretly find a way to kill the husband and then still take the woman to be married to Pharaoh so that she can, quote unquote, legally be married to the Pharaoh. So Abram knew all about this particular thing. So he concocted a scheme in order that his life would be spared, saying that Sarah was his sister and not indeed his wife. Now we remember that indeed Sarah is his half sister, his half sister, but Abram is not trying to tell the truth. Abraham is deliberately deceiving, which means point blank, he's lying because Sarah is actually his wife. But now here is the thing that I want you to see. Remember, we were just celebrating what? The faith of Abraham, how great a faith that Abram had when he left his father's house, how that God made personal appearance to Abram, how he was building. And we would remember the whole point. Don't celebrate prematurely because even though initially Abram acted in faith, he is still far far from the man that God wants him to be. And the same thing for us. Cause notice God made him a promise. He said, I'll bless you. I, I'm going to give you this particular seed and I'm going to give you, make you a blessing to all of the nations and many people shall come from you. Now, Abraham ain't had a child yet. There is no son. So why is he concocting this lie telling Sarah, what? Tell them that you are not my wife so that I can live. Don't you believe that God will preserve your life? And the answer is, what do you think? If he actually was trusting God to save his life, he never would have lied in the first place. So his faith is not what it's supposed to be. Failure number two, failure number one, you never should have left the land. Failure number two, he just lied to protect his own life because he is not still, and, and I'm going to be gentle with it, fully believing in the promise of God just yet. Or in other words, his faith is not quite what it needs to be. But let's go on. So it happened, what? Verse number 15, Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh. I'm sorry. It came about when Abram came into Egypt, verse number 14. The Egyptians saw that the woman was beautiful, just like Abraham had predicted. Pharaoh's officials saw her, and what did they do? They praised her to Pharaoh, just like Abram predicted, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. She was now made a part of Pharaoh's harem, just as Abram had feared. So all of his fears had come to fruition. Now, now here's what you got to see too. Cause and effect and the domino effect. Now his wife has been taken into the harem of Pharaoh and Abram does not have his wife. And now, whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's the point. The promise of God is in jeopardy. Notice what I said. What? Genesis 1, I'm sorry, 12, 1 through 3, when God told Abram that he's going to bless him and all of these things. All of this comes through having a child. And that is, remember, having a child 
through Sarah. So now the promise that God has made Abram is in jeopardy of not being fulfilled. Why? Because he no longer even has a wife anymore. And remember, the mindset of God is not the promise of fulfilling this just through any woman. It is it, when God made it, he was only made. He was only married to Sarah. So it was the mindset of God to have it through Sarah herself. You're going to see that being verbally stated by God since Abraham. See, if you don't figure this out in chapter 17, because it's going to be a mess, but I'm, I'm, I'm way premature. But the whole point is this. The promise is in jeopardy. Now, all of a sudden, the thing that God has promised to do to Abram, he can't do it because he no longer even has a wife. But now let's go on. Let's tie some more things to it. What? So as he had, that is, the Pharaoh had Abram's wife. Therefore, he treated Abram well for her sake. He gave him. He treated Abram well for her sake. He gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. So, of course, the, the, the Pharaoh wanted to show his uh, uh, magnanimity to his appreciation to Abram for his sister. So he gave him a big material gift for a blessing for Sarah, his wife. 17. But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Let's read on. Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Let's just finish it all and then we'll come back with the comments. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, that is Abram, and they escorted Abram away with his wife and all that belonged to him. All right, now let's wrap it up and watch what happens. So God had to come to Abram's rescue. How did he do that? By striking Pharaoh's house with a plague. Now, this is not so much in judgment of Pharaoh. He was a crook. Now, that's clear because Abram did what he did because he knew that Pharaoh and his men were crooks. But nevertheless, even though Pharaoh and his men did what he did, they thought Abram's uh, wife, Sarah, was his sister. So God is not so much as judging Pharaoh for the wickedness, but he is protecting his promise, his covenant promise that he made with, with Abram. In other words, he's saving Abraham's butt by getting his wife back to him. So God has to come and rescue him and pull Abram out of the mess that he created for himself if he had simply obeyed. Remember I told you guys about the domino effect. Had he stayed in the land, his wife would have never entered into the harem of Pharaoh. But because of, now watch it, his lack of faith. Notice his lack of faith. He left the land and his wife ended up being in the harem of Pharaoh. And what does God do? Have to come and save him in order that 
Abram's wife will be returned to him to keep God's covenant with Abram so that God's word will not be broken. So God is saving Abram, not only because of Abram, but for his word's sake. But anyway, so let's go on. So we know the story as it simply reads, Pharaoh admonishes Abram and sends him away and commands his men leave Abram and his wife alone. So now we see there's the covenant protected, right? And he sins and he rebukes him. Abram, another thing that I didn't talk much about. Remember, he had enriched Abram with sheep, goat, oxen. But notice it also said male and female servants. Now, the reason why I bring this particular point up, I ain't going to talk about it too much here. We're in what? Chapter 12. But when we get to chapter 16, we're going to see one of those particular female servants by the name of Hagar, the Egyptian maid servant that was given to Abraham. That is, that is to Sarah while they were in Egypt in this particular incident that's going to end up becoming another problem. So notice so much domino effect. He goes into Egypt, right? He shouldn't have gone in the first place. Nevertheless, he gets those servants. One of those servants, chapter 16, I know I'm premature, but anyway, will be this Hagar. This Hagar is going to get pregnant. That's going to cause a big time family problem. Then we're going to have the descendants from this Hagar who will end up being with Abraham, that the descendants will be Ishmael and Ishmael's descendants are going to be enemies of Israel. Now, the, the whole point is, even though his faith is not what it's supposed to be in the lack of his faith, it creates a domino effect and it has issues that reverberate for man. We can do some stuff that can mess us up for a long, long time. Time, But let me just close it this way. And so in the very end, what happens? Notice Abraham is the Egyptians <laughs> tell him to pack his bags, take his wife. And guess what he does when you end up going to chapter 13? And we're not going to even get there because that's not a part of the lesson. But this is a part of the idea. He ends up back in the promised land. Remember, here's the thing, guys. When he got into the promised land, that was a famine hit. He left the promised land, went down to Egypt, thinking, thinking that it would be better for him in Egypt. All kinds of calamity. It was a big mess that took place in Egypt. The, 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 the promise, the covenant became in jeopardy. He lost his wife. God had to save and rescue him. And here's the bottom line. And what is the end result? He ended up back in the same place where he was in the first place. But I thought there was a famine there because God was testing him. His faith was not what it needed to be. And in the end, you know what God did? He brought him back to the place he told him where he should have been in the first place and he blessed them there. And what was God saying in all of this message? All you had to do was just wait on the Lord. Hold on and you would have found out that God would have blessed you 
right where he told you to stay in the first place. So we see a few things in this lesson. That number one, that even though we do praise Abraham and we want to do that for his faith, his faith was yet undeveloped. We see how God took calamity and used calamity to show Abraham who he was and to develop his faith. And we also see a merciful lesson how that God brought him, God preserved the covenant, brought him right back to the land of promise. And God was showing him, I will bless you even in the place where I told you to be, if only you will hold on. And I think that's a message for us today. That sometimes when God tries our faith with difficult situations, difficult circumstances, all he's trying to see, just simply to say, will you hold on? And in the end, strengthen our faith by the testing of it. All right, guys, catch you next time. Have you subscribed yet? What are you waiting for? Subscribe now.